This is Navigating Your Retirement Radio with Travis Chance from CFG Wealth Management. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Travis provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Navigating Your Retirement Radio with Travis Chance. Good morning and welcome back to another show of Navigating Your Retirement with your host, Travis Chance from CFG Wealth Management. Folks, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please give us a call, 877-269-0839. That's 877-269-0839. Joining us, as always, he is the man that makes it happen, (laughs) Tony Shore. Wow, the man that makes it happen. Man, it makes it happen. Yeah, yeah. But the happening is you. Uh, you're the oh, happening well. one here, and I, I just help facilitate it. But Travis, I have had a crazy week. I know we've talked about your construction woes, but I'm having windows replaced, and uh, <laughs> that's always fun dealing with that and contractors. But other than that, I'm doing good. How about you? How have you been, Travis? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. I, we had a, we had a great meeting in, uh, in Atlanta. I went up for two days to, uh, talk about the secure act and some of the new changes to the tax law. And, you know, I know, I know you're like, you're a madman, but, uh, but no, <laughs> it was, it was, a man. <laughs> it was fun. I, I enjoy it because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, Tony, in in our business, uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, a, a lot of times uh, and not always because there there are some good quality advisors out there. But a lot of times the only education that advisors get is whatever uh, product salesmen come in and try to help them understand how to sell a, a particular product. They don't actually and I hate to say it, but a lot of times it's because we have to fix the issues. They don't understand what they're selling. They don't understand the the ramifications of the recommendations they're making. And a lot of times you you have to understand what's going on behind the scenes in order to help a client make a good quality decision. That's the difference between being a fiduciary and being a broker or salesperson. Right. So so that's why I enjoy what I do. I I really hate to say it. I know you're going to be like, you enjoy listening to like 16 hours of talking about the SECURE Act. You bet your life I do. You know why? Because I'm going to help clients not make mistakes. And that's going to be extremely valuable for me and my practice and my family because that's true i think i think over time you know what's what's becoming more apparent to the the average consumer the retiree it's it's all about what the advisor that you're working with knows and doesn't know and sometimes you don't know what the person sitting across from you does or doesn't know that's the reason i like talking to our listeners every week because you know 
folks, it's not something that I just, uh, I've never used a script on this show and I never will. It's not something that I just, you know, pull out of the air and just, uh, you know, and just, just, you know, put down bullet points and stick to a script because someone wrote it for me so I can sound intelligent. I'm telling you that we do this at our practice because we love what we do. We love our clients and, and we want to make sure they get the best information possible. Right. And I, I can't believe that you would uh, take a few days off just to study the SECURE Act. Uh, I guess, like you say, it's so important for your clients and for your business. It's crucial. To understand this because uh, they are, as we mentioned in a past show, there are a lot of changes coming with the it's, SECURE It's Act. crucial. Yep. It's crucial because, you know, and Tony, you and I were talking before we got on the show and not to get on my soapbox, but, uh, you know, we were talking before the show about I I literally went up there assuming that I knew pretty much everything I needed to know by reading and researching, et cetera, prior to. And I was just blown away at the amount of material that was not covered in a lot of these articles that you read because, you know, they don't get into the details. They're just they just giving you the high points. And you and I both know the devil's in what? The devil's in the details, right? It's not. It's not just the broad strokes. You got to know the fine points because if you don't, you could make a, a mistake. You can make a decision that would negatively affect your family. And I mean, who wants to do that? Nobody. So you, you got to know. You you can't just you can't just think you know. You have to know. Right. It's a must. And so obviously, this show today is about clarity, and we're going to talk about some of the things that you discovered. Uh, that surprised you. I know a big, huge part of it, and I don't know if this is where you want to start, but is the stretch IRA, they're pretty much taking away that option, which was a great strategy for people who wanted to let their IRA stretch and grow tax-free for their, um, you know, leave as a legacy or for their loved ones, right? Well, let's, um, and, and I think it, you're exactly right, but I think let's let's start by giving a little background so that we can, you know, know where we are, know where we've been, and know where we're going. So uh, if you if you think back to last year and before, there were really two options. You had, if you were a non-designated beneficiary or a designated beneficiary, that was the first thing. Which one were you? If you were named as a designated beneficiary, you were a spouse, you were a loved one, uh, you, you had a number of options, okay? You could take it as a, you know, and this was also whether you're, uh, the owner had, you know, reached 70 and a half, started taking RMDs, whether they hadn't. I'm not going to get into that because we only have a limited amount of time, but basically you had really three, three options in any combination. Number one, you could take your your IRA distribution as a beneficiary as a lump sum in most cases. Uh, in, in pretty much all cases, you could just say, hey, you know, my uh, my father passed away. He had $100,000 in his IRA. I'm listed as the beneficiary. You know, I'm John Jr., John Sr. passed. Give me my hundred grand and keep the tax. And Uncle Sam would take his. You would get your, your difference, and everybody would go on their merry way. Uncle Sam really liked that transaction because, obviously, if let's say you had a, a family married filing joint and they had a hundred thousand dollar IRA inheritance, um, if they made a hundred and they received a hundred in inheritance, guess what? That hundred thousand in inheritance is going to be taxed at the twenty-two and twenty-four percent rate. So you can do the math on that. 
Now, you also, if you didn't want to take it as a lump sum, uh, you could forego the, the the lump sum option and you could take it over five years. So you're saying um, you're talking about an inherited IRA, right? No, no, just just inheriting an IRA period right. because uh, there there's a there's some there's some nuance behind some of that terminology and that's what oh, I'm okay. trying to get okay. through. So so the three prior designations or beneficiary options were as lump sum five year rule, which means you had to take equal and substantial distributions and and have it all out within five years. So if you had a hundred grand, probably advisable take twenty grand plus or minus interest, and you want to make sure it's all out within five years. What's the reason? It's because instead of having that portion that would have been taxed at the 24% rate, because you took it all as a lump sum, if you took 20,000 per year versus 100,000 in one year, you would pay what? Lower tax. So that that helped the beneficiary. But then for a non-spousal beneficiary, because a spouse beneficiary could literally roll it to their name, they could basically do with it what they chose, right? It's really up to them. They could do anything that the owner could do plus a little bit. Uh, now, the the and I'm trying to hurry through this because I want to get to everything for the SECURE Act, Tony, so, so bear with no me. No problem. So, so basically, the beneficial IRA or inherited IRA or stretch IRA, as it was also called, essentially allowed for the distributions for a designated beneficiary. So let's say husband and wife, both of them are alive. The husband passes, then the wife passes. The wife uh, became the primary beneficiary. She inherited it. She put it in her name. Then she left it to the son. The son was the designated beneficiary, right? He was a non-spousal designated beneficiary. In that case, if let's say, for instance, she was 75, but he was 44, then he would actually be able to distribute on his lifetime, uh, assuming he did it properly and entitled it properly. He could stretch the payout over his lifetime, not her lifetime and not have to do the five year or the or the lump sum. Now, why that was important was, you know, if you take a 44 year old, your life expectancy is what? You know, if you go to 85, which you had to have it all out by 85, you know, you're talking about potentially only having to take around 2% plus or minus in distributions each year to meet the required minimum distribution. So if it's growing at, say, 8 and you're, you know, you're 44, you're taking the amount of risk it takes to get 8% a year, which you should be able to do in most cases, not all, but some. Um, if it's growing at 8 and you're taking 2, that means it's also compounding at what tony six right so i know i know you said there'd be no math i'm not i'm not i don't want you to do the math just 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 nod and grin <laughs> I am. I uh am. so six if it's growing at six percent what you would actually do is you would compound the legacy that you would receive from that ira because you're only taking out you're milking the cow you're not basically butchering it and eating it one time you're basically milking it over a number of years so so what happened was and and i truly believe this and everything i'm about to say for the next 30 seconds is conjecture but i truly believe that some some yahoo in washington was like oh my god we're giving up so much in tax revenue we need to do the blah 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 and you know oh that's the worst thing ever we need to go ahead and put that money in the in the economy i don't know that to be true but you and I both know there's probably a lot in Washington we don't know. I'm just giving you my opinion what probably happened. Somebody had the idea, and then all of a sudden it just went from yeah, there. That's what happens, so, I think, a lot of times. So, 
Yeah. So the Secure Act, what it did was it actually it actually made it even more of a sticky wicket, so to speak. So here's what you got. Instead of two classes of beneficiaries, you got three classes of beneficiaries, Tony. You don't have two. And it's not a cut and dry like we talked about where it just automatically eliminates um, the stretch IRA. The stretch IRA is still possible. This is why, remember I said the devil's in the details. They've been talking about the death of the stretch, the death of the stretch. There are still still exceptions where you can exercise a stretch. Let me give them to you. Number one, if you have a governmental plan that has a death on or occurring on or after January 1st of 2022, uh, this this is basically... Uh, one of the exceptions has to be a governmental plan. And then also, uh, basically, you have the ability for eligible designated beneficiaries. Okay. So if you are an eligible designated beneficiary, you are defined as being a surviving spouse, which we already knew. That's that, you know, because think about it. If let's say, for instance, and, and I'm just giving you an example, uh, you have someone who is, uh, uh, 68 years old. Okay. The husband is 68. The wife is, let's say 50, 55. Okay. If she inherited an IRA from her 68 year old husband who passed away, uh, technically if she put it in her name, Tony, what has she just done? She's just introduced the 10% yeah. penalty for early withdrawals because she's no longer treated as an, as a beneficiary. She's treated as an owner. So if you wanted to stretch or put it in an inherited form, then what she could do is she could just say, Hey, I want to title this as an inherited IRA and use his life expectancy. And basically she would have access until, you know, she reached the age of 59 and a half. And then she could roll it into her name. That that's pretty straightforward. Um, disabled persons if you leave it to a person who is disabled all right that would still qualify for a stretch they would not be forced to take out one lump sum distribution or over a 10 year period they would they, they would actually be able to extend that chronically ill persons uh, they would also retain the opportunity for the stretch and a beneficiary not more than 10 years younger than the decedent and a decedent's minor child uh, typically that's, that's not going to apply to a lot of people, but it could, because you could have people in their fifties and, you know, 55, 60 years old or forties die in an accident. Uh, they could have minor children instead of, you know, instead of having that all go out to that beneficiary who is of minor age, that could still be a, a positive and that could still be a planning technique. Okay. So basically, you are still afforded with a third option, the stretch for all those that I just named. One of the things we were talking about was if you were a spousal, if if you know if you wanted to still exercise the stretch, what would allow you to do so? So basically, it did make it a little bit more. It did make it pretty defined in this regard. If you qualify for everything I said on the first half of the uh, first half of the show. Uh, as far as the the eligible uh, designated beneficiary, EDB, as it's going to be called, then you're fine. But if you did not qualify for what I said, you can still do that on your life expectancy and you don't have to take it out as a lump sum or in a period of time. Wow. Now, 
Everyone else, and and I I do think there are going to be some. I'm already thinking about some planning techniques on this side. There's really only two options if you don't fall into that category. Number one, you can still take it out as a lump sum. Like I said in the beginning, if you have you know a father, mother, father, second to die leaves their son or daughter an IRA of say a hundred grand, household income for that family is a hundred grand. They're going to have two hundred thousand of income to report in that year from the IRS. Now, why might that be a problem? Well, number one. If you are obviously already in a decently high tax bracket, 22, 24%, uh, obviously a quarter of everything that you inherit is going to go to who? Uncle Sam. That may or may not be what you want to do. I would assume probably not, but I'm just going on a limb here. Um, Now, if you are a a non-designated beneficiary or a non-eligible designated beneficiary, then what you're going to also have now, instead of the five-year rule, you're going to have the 10-year rule. So, uh, you know, that that is still substantial uh, in a lot of cases. That's that's going to help make things a little more palatable. So if you had the same situation, let's say you inherited that hundred grand, uh, 10,000 a year, probably not going to move the needle on your tax bracket. You probably could inherit that money and still retain, uh, in most cases, the tax bracket that you were in previously based on your working, you know, your filing of your taxes. But think about this, Tony. What happens if you leave someone, say, 500000 a million? Well, now, even if they take it over a 10-year period, that's substantial income, yeah. right, which could cause substantial taxes. Obviously, yeah. There, there's a lot of things that, that we could do for that. Um, now, one of the things that I've, I've been asked uh, in our meetings since, uh, since the SECURE Act passed and even the end of the last year when, you know, a lot, a lot of people were, were kind of keeping us on their radar – is they wanted to know, okay, Travis, I have a Roth IRA. Roth IRA means you paid the tax on the seed, not the crop, meaning as you put the money into your Roth, whether it was into a a contributory Roth IRA or whether it was in your 401k, you paid the tax on it the year in which you made the contribution. If you did that, obviously Roth means you meet the five-year 59 and a half rule. You're going to be able to pull that money out what? tax exempt because it's been growing tax deferred. You met the requirements. When you take distributions, it's going to be tax yeah, exempt. Yeah, that's the beauty now, of a Roth, right? That's the beauty of the Roth. Now, here's here's why I said it's good. that actually we could have some planning opportunities because here's the thing. Uh, do Roths have, or previously prior to, prior to the SECURE Act, did Roths have an, an RMD for the beneficiary? And the answer is yes. Most people need to understand you were you should have been taking or you were forced to take a required minimum distribution as a beneficiary if you inherited a Roth prior to the SECURE Act. And now that the SECURE Act has passed, that has not changed. You are still forced to take out the Roth in a in a substantial time period. And basically, you have the same time frame of if you are a non-EDB, uh, if you are a one of the other two that we're talking about on this side of the break, you basically have to take all that money out within 10 years, which un- unfortunately for you, you're going to not have the tax-free growth anymore, but that's okay because here's my point. 
As as we have been working with our clients, we've been recommending Roth conversion, uh, you know, basically helping them navigate the minefield of making sure they don't uh, they don't convert too much because that way we don't want Medicare means tested, you know, keeping them in that that comfort zone, but still converting as much as we could, because here's the thing. If you inherit a Roth and you don't have to touch it for 10 years, well, what happens if you get to now 100,000 that's in a Roth and it grows to 200,000? Does it matter if the IRS and the Congress double the tax rate at that point? No, it does not. Because why? Tax free is tax free. If they went up 100% on the tax rate of zero, what's a 100% increase of zero? Zero. Zero, Tony. You, I did math. You said Look at you that. Can't, you said you can't do math. <laughs> I'm a genius. You are a genius, my friend. But, but, folks, that's that's why I said it's so important for the the planning that we do today. Yes, some of this, some of this. I hate to say it, but some of this is not going to benefit uh, a lot of of the planning techniques. May or may not benefit you today but it may have a lasting impact on your family tomorrow. And and that's that's why I said understanding some of these rules and some of the reasons why now we should really investigate a lot of, you know, a lot of the opportunities that we have is because you're you could potentially be leaving your your heirs a tax time bomb. And not only that, but we we can see the clock ticking down. So it's like, you know, a lethal weapon whenever you see Mel Gibson in the back of the car and he's, you know, wondering what wire to cut and you see the time ticking down. We know the time is ticking down. We know it's going to explode if we don't cut the wire. How are we going to cut the wire? That's why you need someone to help you plan because, you know, I I'm going to use this as an example. I actually met with an attorney this week. It was it was a very good meeting. Uh, and as we were going through, you know, our meeting, uh, I asked, I said, who's been helping you make your decisions? And he said, well, I have someone that's been, you know, providing me with, you know, product, but no one really been helping me plan or make decisions. And I said, if I were to go into a courtroom and if I were to represent myself, is that allowed? He said, yes. I said, do you think it's the best best course of action. And he just chuckled. He said, no, because if you go into a courtroom and you have yourself for a client, they say you have a fool for a client. Now he said that I didn't say that, but you get my <laughs> point, Tony. If, if you're re- you can represent yourself, but that doesn't necessarily make it a great idea. You can read through the constitution. You can read through the Georgia, the Georgia code and think that you have a firm understanding of the law, but the details that you don't pick up and the nuance of how something is written if you're representing yourself, could be the difference between you spending life in jail and not. Well, that's the same thing with, with knowing what, what to do as a financial advisor and a financial planner. If you have someone that truly has your best interest and they're representing you in that capacity and doing what's in your best interest, then yes. Are you always going to get a, a not guilty verdict? No. I mean, if you if you did the crime, you may have to do the time. But you get what I'm saying? It puts you in the best position to be able to be successful. And that's really all we can ask, because at the end of the day, do we know who's going to win the next election? No. Do we know what the tax code is going to be in 10 years? No. But we do know past case law and we do know, OK, this is 
this is probably best case scenario, worst case scenario. Let's plan for both. That way, if we're right, if we're wrong, we're still right. That way, if the market changes, we're still good. So that's 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 some that's some powerful stuff. And yeah, it's huge. And I mean, you've covered a lot in the show today, but we're out of time. Is there anything else you want to add before we have to go? Absolutely. Tony, here's here's one final planning topic, and we'll talk about it more next week. If you have not begun taking your RMDs, you actually have gotten a reprieve. You have two additional years that you can actually make significant leeway and significant headway into your uh, RMDs and into your Roth conversion capacity. If you have questions, folks, you need to talk to someone who understands how to leverage your assets to your benefit. Give us a call, 877-269-0839. That's 877-269-0839. All right. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Navigating Your Retirement with our host, Travis Chance. Thank you for listening to Navigating Your Retirement Radio with Travis Chance. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound income plan. For more information, please contact Travis at CFG Wealth Management. Call 877-269-0839 or visit them online at navigatingretirementradio.com. All matters discussed during this show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by CFG Wealth Management LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Georgia. Insurance products and services are offered through TL Chance Inc., an affiliated company. CFG Wealth Management LLC and TL Chance Inc. are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency. 